0: Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighters Fury Inside the Heart of a Champion with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighters Fury on AM 790 The Ticket. Happy Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you for the next hour as we will dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. A lot to get to this week Last night, Vasily Lomachenko with the stoppage on ESPN. ESPN diving back into the boxing waters. It's their second go about it with top rank Their partnership as they had the Manny Pacquiao-Jeff Horn fight about a month back, and that was a wildly uh, successful card for them. That drew some big, big numbers. But last night, you have Vasily Lomachenko defeating Miguel Mariaga by TKO. Really, Mariaga had nothing for him uh, other than a couple of headbutts that got facility uh pieced up a little bit in the face but he's uh he's the truth right now man that's the second guy he's gotten a stop on the stool now in his last three fights i think and he looks absolutely incredible people are really buying into him um they are they're getting fully involved in the lomachenko train and he's he's just he never stops throwing he sets everything up with the right pace you know he if it's if it, as long even if it's something just uh soft right you know just to touch his opponent and then he just goes and he rips and you know there's a one point he's standing in the corner and he's egging Mariaga on to hit him so he's not just dancing and running he's trying to give opponents give everybody a show he really he, he worked yesterday like a showman it really was just a just a really impressive showing for him um and so now you ask what is he going to do next now there's been some talk back and forth between him and Guillermo Rigandau about a possible matchup. Rigandau had the, of course, weird ending on the uh on the Kovalev ward undercard where he beats our boy Chucky and uh <laughs> Chucky Flores. And it was kind of a weird. He hit him after the bell. Maybe Flores was acting up the the knockout. It was weird because I was there live and you know, you didn't realize kind of the, the hamming up that maybe Flores was doing in the, in the time of it, but it was very chaotic in the whole situation when it was going on because the ref just wasn't looking at Flores before he went down. He was completely focused on rigging and you know, you you see that he screws up, but there's no instant replay in boxing. So you can't go back. And so they're going to the, the commissioner, Bob Bennett, he's getting uh, on HBO and he's saying, uh, definitively he got hit before the bell and everybody there who has a camera i'm I'm looking at this thing i had the good wi-fi in the building because i had the media pass so i'm like looking at this on on uh on social media i'm like you can clearly hear the bell and then you can see the punch and so it ended up i think they ended up deciding it was a no contest and after you know they gave rigged out the win then they had to go and appeal it um but these guys have been going back and forth. They, they, there has been something uh, of an interest on social media as far as these guys, and there's so much fight promotion that goes on the social media stratosphere now. And so, you know, can they actually make something happen? That'll be interesting to see. I, I hope so. I think that'd be a great a great test of skills. Um, you know, I kind of think I think Lomachenko is just kind of in the zone now, and he's more in this realm of, of, of finishing guys. You know that it's so hard to gauge Rigondao after that fight because it was so weird. You know he was he was patient. It was it was almost the like the first exchange that he threw in that first round. He was so patient. He was making his opponent miss. There really wasn't anything there, and then that just kind of came out of nowhere. So the fact that Lomachenko and him would square up, I kind of feel like I'm leaning towards Lomachenko in that one. Um, but it's hard not to. I mean, he is he's just on an absolute tear right now. Yesterday, you also had UFC in uh, Mexico City, which is always a tough one for opponents because of the high altitude. And the highlight of it all was uh, Sergio Pettis defeating Brandon Moreno. Unanimous decision, 48-46 on one on uh, two judges scorecards, 49-46 on another. Um, you know, Moreno got the crowd very excited with the first round, had the takedown of Sergio. Going for a rear naked choke a bunch of times. He was coming out this weird... With, uh, like style to try and uh, hypnotize Pettis. But after that second round hit, man, Pettis was just a lot cleaner. He was more efficient. He was quicker, uh, more damaging with his strikes, and really sets himself up. You You would have to look at this and say, does he set himself up for a title shot? It's interesting. You know, there was this whole thing going on between Mighty Mouse Johnson and the UFC, and what they want to do for mighty mouse's next title defense and the ufc wanted to go with tj dillashaw and they had a huge standoff mighty mouse was firm that he's not fighting dillashaw he doesn't want to fight him in a fight where he doesn't even know if the guy can make weight and you know there were there were even threats from dana white all right well let's see if we just shut down the flyweight division and the flyweight division it hasn't it hasn't Bear the fruit of being great commercially for the UFC. You know, Mighty Mouse is fantastic. He he has been getting he has been a more exciting fighter than when this title reign started. There's no doubt about that. His personality has shown a lot more. So you give you give him a lot of credit. I think for taking. Well, I think we're some fair criticisms that hey, you you're very talented, but you know you're not the most exciting guy to watch in the world. And 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 uh, we've kind of seen you you beat everybody here. He, and I think he took that, and, you know, he's had some fantastic finishes. I think he's got the latest submission in championship UFC history. Um, you know, he stopped guys. He he hasn't. He wasn't a guy who rests on his laurels. I thought Mighty Mouse has done – I thought for his part, he's done all he could do. And if people don't want to watch him, they don't want to watch him. You don't really know what that formula is for guys. Lomachenko's going through some of that too. You know, I'm curious to see what the ratings are for him uh, I don't imagine they're going to be anywhere touching with Pacquiao, but he's many in Pacquiao, um, and, and Lomachenko he is a darling of the hardcore boxing fan. But will you know? Could you put him on a pay-per-view today and and draw two hundred thousand buys? I would highly doubt it. I mean, if you're telling me Gennady Golovkin can't do that, why would I think Lomachenko can? So, you don't really know what's going to make a star, but with Mighty Mouse. He's done all the right things. I think he's grown inside the ring, outside the octagon in so many great ways. You know, but he, the UFC wanted to try something different. Let's put him in there with the, with the TJ Dillashaw. Now they were up to the point where they were threatening to close the division. And and I'm glad that they didn't, you know, I I, I think it's great that because there's so many cards, I feel, you know, and you're out there making women's divisions and that you don't really have contenders for, I think, I think the argument to close the flyweight division just because you got a grudge um is silly you want to do it and you say hey we've done all we could do with this and it's over all right i'll see it a little bit more but the idea that you're going to do it just because it's a peeing contest and and you want to show out and you want to and want to prove a point i, I would find that silly and I, would think it, I think it's also silly to say that a guy of mighty mouse's talents doesn't deserve a, a platform like the UFC to show them out. Now, is he going to eventually have to go to 135 to show it? Maybe. But the roundabout bigger point of this was that he wanted to initially fight Sergio Pettis because of the name value. You know, Anthony Pettis at one point was thought upon as one of the best pound-for-pound pl- uh, fighters on the planet, and Sergio is kind of a little brother along for the ride. But he's young, man. He's 23 years old. 23 and you know has had some has had some uh some hiccups a lost house gaceres in the in the midst of it but he's so young you know you don't get these these chances to really blossom there's 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 not that amateur stage for for a mixed martial artist like there was for lomachenko you winning two gold medals and then getting to hop into it or a clarissa shields where she's been able to you know blossom in the in the olympics and then come and win a world title in four fights you know that's not there for the UFC. You look at what happened with Bellator and Aaron Pico, 20 years old. He is debuting at Madison square garden and he gets knocked out in his first fight. It's, it's an unforgiving sport. So for Sergio, uh, I definitely think that his performance was great. I think this was the showing two guys, some new blood. Um, and if mighty mouse is going to stick around at 125 after this upcoming fight next month against Ray Borg, Yeah, I I totally believe that he should get a title shot, and I think that Mighty Mouse has clearly already shown the interest in here. The interesting thing is uh, with Ray Borg because he's had some weight cutting issues uh, for 125. I wonder if the turnaround would be too quick for Sergio Pettis to also be on that card if he would kind of be a backup plan because you know the 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 one thing that has to be tied in with this Mighty Mouse thing is it is a record breaking defense and you know if you're going up against a guy with some weight cutting issues you know um you, you don't want that sullied at all just because even even though that the i guess the defense you know he wouldn't be able to win the title but it would be a uh it would be a it'd be, it would put a damper on it if he couldn't if he couldn't make weight like that and especially if it's a dangerous situation you know we, we've seen now with amanda Nunes and with Khabib Nurmagomedov, sometimes these weight-cutting issues can lead to side effects that just really don't even make you want to fight. It's not even going to be a case of fighting a catchweight fight. Um, you know, but I, I think Sergio's put himself in a good spot there. And, and, I, and I am glad that's, that, that uh, DJ is going to get this opportunity to win that title. I think that's a cool mark for him. Um, I think the return of Jon Jones has put a lot of that goat conversation away for DJ, just because of the division he's in and the idea that you know how are we going to say that a guy who's 125 pounds is better than a guy who's 205 pounds if their skill sets are supremely equal if their accolades are very equal and i guess the only thing you can really put it in in dj's corner that you couldn't put in john's corner is that you know a dj hadn't gotten himself suspended um, but talent wise, what he, what he does in the octagon, I think John Jones returned last week to the mountaintop, getting the belt again. I think that has really, uh, I think that would really solidify. I think that solidified a lot of people's mind. Eh, the talk of, of, of mighty mouse being the greatest of all time. N- maybe that was just John being absent in, in, in our eyes and our minds, but he's not quite at that status. He's great and this record that he gets is going to be cool but john john's win last week i think put in a lot of people's minds ah yeah this guy really is the real deal he's the best guy we've seen in the octagon and there's not a lot of debate about it with a lot of retirements in boxing this past week uh, a lot of careers coming to a close a lot of guys that you're very familiar with so we'll get to that there's also uh there's also a lot of fights that are being rumored out there possible matchups and the drama with conor mcgregor and floyd mayweather never ever ceases as the fight it's closing in we're 20 days away from may versus mac and a lot of headlines coming out this week regarding mcgregor and his camp and a sparring partner we'll tell you about that story next it's fighters fury on am 790 the ticket Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. We go up till around 11 o'clock today. Seaman Tommy guns are out this week. They will return next week. You can text the show 67974 on the Coral Springs Automall text line. Somebody asked, Tobin, what's the deal with Paulie Malinaji leaving Connors camp due to being a circus? Did he not know he was getting into a circus in the first place? Or did he and McGregor bump heads too much? Well, the Paulie Malinaji thing is interesting because when talks first happened that Paulie Malinaji was going to be a sparring partner of Conor McGregor, it was kind of one of those things you raised your your eyebrow at and you're just like, huh. Because there wasn't a more vocal guy when the Conor Floyd thing happened about how little a chance Conor had and how really he didn't even... Belong in the stratosphere of being in a ring or an arena with Floyd Mayweather Jr. when they were boxing. Then Paulie Malinaji. I mean, he was on a, with with Leroy and I and Beast. Um, I would say probably last December, you know, and was talking about you know this guy he can't beat anybody. I would I would destroy him. And you know when 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 they said that he was going to go be a sparring partner. A couple of things I found odd. One of this is that he's 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 on the broadcast. You know, he's he's working for Showtime as an analyst. So I thought that was kind of a weird thing where there's a, there's a very direct tie in there. Um, Skill set wise, with with Floyd, you know, Pauly is a very skillful boxer. He's never been a guy who's had huge knockout power. He's had a lot of hand issues like Floyd has. Um, but then when that whole tour started there was an interesting moment where connor says yeah he's going to pay for his words that's why they're inviting paulie Malinaji there so um it's not surprising you know that the stills that have come out the, the the still pictures that have come out of camp haven't made paulie look very flattering you know there was this this infamous picture with uh with Paul with uh, with McGregor having the hands behind his back and you know it looked like Paulie just took a big shot but you don't really know like there's no there's no video cameras like I just watched um all access part two before the show today and you know th- there was th- that was that was kind of the highlight picture they haven't really gotten to this beef that happened because what had occurred this week is there were some more photos that came out and what they showed was, it looked like Connor jumping, and you know had Pauly kind of messed up. And then there was this other still image of Pauly on the ground, and Connor basically standing over him like it's Ali over Liston. Like it looked, it looked like he he, he put him out. This set Pauly Malinaji off. Pauly uh officially decided he was going to. He, he first he was going on a bit of a Twitter tirade where he was like, you know, release the security footage because it's at the USC facility. The USC facility has twenty four seven surveillance. Have their PIs release that? This is unethical. You're trying to make something uh, seem like it's not. Now the picture was taken. I don't know where they originally were released. What he really got upset about was a fan putting them out. It was a fan account for Connor. I don't know if it's run by Connor. It doesn't look like it's affiliated with Connor. But from Pauly's perspective, is the fact that that picture exists at all and is anywhere for anybody to grab is messed up because he didn't get knocked down. According to him, he got uh, he he got he got pushed down. And Connor did say at the end of this all access episode that Paulie did get his, his butt whooped but this is obviously being uh hotly debated by Pauly. so should he have known what he was getting into probably but i don't i don't know if you're a guy like Paulie Malinaji how you could turn down that opportunity especially with the job that he has of being an analyst for the fight that's very unique and i think as listeners we are lucky enough that a guy who's that close to the broadcast is going to have that kind of first-hand knowledge of Conor boxing-wise because a lot of the boxing opinions have been very, very lazy. They've been very lazy. They've been very one-sided. They've been very tilted. Maybe rightfully so. Maybe Conor is going to get worked by Floyd Mayweather, but it doesn't give you a lot of insight. It's just a lot of, you know, like I was – Hearing, uh, you know, I was hearing Chris Mannix and all due respect to Chris Mannix, he's he's uh one of my uh favorite writers to read, you know. But I was listening to his podcast this week and he's like, Yeah, but he's gonna come at him like Maidana, and, and that's really the only shot he's got. And it's like, that's not how he fights, man. Like, you know, the idea that Connor's gonna come in here and you think he's gonna go and try and bully Floyd like he's Maidana or he's like Kodo, that's that's just not his style. Um, I, I don't. I don't imagine he's going to try that that type of thing where he is high punch output. If anything, I think he's going to be wary of that because of how this fight is set up cardio wise. And I know he says that he's going to try and dust Floyd in four in four rounds. We'll see. Um, but but I, I think the idea that hey, if you have a twelve round fight, you're going to go and you're going to swarm him like crazy. I just I don't, I don't I don't think that's 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 never been his style as a fighter, uh, and that's not sound strategy. And really, the only time you could think of that high out, high punch output from Conor just being so one sided was when he fought Nate the first time, and we saw what the results were of that. But it did end up his cardio did end up being better in the second fight. He was a little bit more calculated, and his punches were a little bit more devastating. He was able to put Nate on the canvas, but. This idea that, that, that Paulie is upset because hey Connor's Connor's camp is making him look good. They're not showing a true figure. Should he have known that's gonna happen? I think sure. I mean, honestly, what did you think? I mean, Paulie Malinaji's not fighting here. Paulie Malinaji's an analyst. It's not Pauli Malinaji versus Connor McGregor. It's Mayweather versus McGregor. So the idea that McGregor doesn't look good um is 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 going to you know v- put out pictures of where it looks even i think that's silly i mean w- hey they're trying to hype a fight here they're trying to get as many pay-per-view buys as possible so can i understand paulie being upset about sure man i can understand nobody wants to look like crap um but am i su- should he be surprised by it? i really don't think he should be um it'll be interesting hearing him the coverage up to this week and i do wonder how this will affect him, I guess, on the broadcast because he's clearly upset with McGregor and the camp and everything that went around that. So, yeah, how is that going to sway you on a broadcast? I think that's also an interesting thing to go at. How is Paulie going to go at this fight? How is he going to analyze this fight now that he feels wronged by Connor and the camp? That, that certainly is going to be interesting. Um, but I will say this. You know, Paulie's employer is Showtime, and I don't think he's going to be muzzled at all. I think they love it. I think uh, the controversy is great for him, but I don't think they're going to do anything in in All Access to make Paulie look great on these fight cards. I think they're going to try and make Connor look as great as possible. I can tell you the way they they did this last episode. They're like, you know, they're going to to Connor's boxing academy in Crumlin, Ireland, and they're like oh, this is where Connor came in and, and he was a little boy and, and he took off his football cleats and he started hitting the heavy bag with his cleats all muddy. And he got his, his Irish coach there as a kid. Like, they're, they're trying to up Connor's status as much as they can. That's the promotion of the fight. Bringing Paulie in was great promotion for the fight because they know they have a mouthpiece there, a guy who's not going to stop talking about it. He really was the lightning source of all. Of the Conor Floyd news this week. Other other than Glovegate. That we have to get to. Because that was rich. So uh, Floyd Mayweather comes out this week. And he says. "Connor, let's fight in 8 ounce gloves. Which. I thought was laughable. I laughed out loud when I saw that post. Laughed. That Floyd Mayweather was going to give smaller gloves to conor mcgregor i i I mean i couldn't you couldn't you couldn't put more bs spin on that if you tried because let me tell you you want to go back to the maidana fight there was such controversy over the gloves maidana was using for floyd like they almost didn't fight they almost didn't fight the second time over it they almost didn't go out the first time about it because of the controversy over the gloves floyd is very particular about it and honestly I don't know what this this thing that he's putting out there of ah, you know, small gloves, we'll do it in an octagon next time. All right, but you kinda won't. We know you're not gonna. Like, let's 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 put in the scenario. What if Connor does pull off the upset? And in that case, Connor's the A side if there was a rematch. You would think in in any realm of possibility, there is there is a there is any kind of chance. Floyd Mayweather Jr. at 40 is walking into an octagon where, where he can get kicked upside the head. No sell. So this idea that he puts out there, I'm not afraid to fight Conor in eight-ounce gloves. I'm not afraid to do this. Hey, it, I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to show, hey, it's. I'm going to try and give him every advantage. He knows that's not going to get approved. It's contracted already. It's written up, and it's a rule by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. He eloquently explained this during the media, tri- the, 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 uh, the media campaign where he's like, hey, I'm just following the rules. Rules are 10-ounce gloves. In fact, I thought one of the interesting things about this with one concession that Floyd did give was that it was going to be at 154 pounds. I thought Floyd would have gone 147. However, then you learn the line for 810 is 147. So then it makes a little bit more sense to why you would want the fight at the weight it is. Yes, Conor's a little bit heavier, but he's got a little bit more weight on his gloves. So I thought that was funny this week that he's trying to put it out there like, oh yeah, 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 we'll fight him whatever. Fight him whatever gloves you want. Be like, Conor, all right, I'm going to wear my UFC gloves. Let's do that. Let's do that if we're going to talk about you know, weight of the gloves, and you know what what kind of damage that will uh, <laughs> what kind of damage there will be from wearing ten ounce gloves to eight ounce gloves. You know, that's that's uh, that's uh, that's that's all funny stuff, and it's it's cool for Floyd to put it out there and and got people chatting about it, but it's an empty thing. Like he's not really going to let Connor fight in whatever gloves he wants. It's just a thing. It's a thing you put out there. It's already agreed to by the commission. They already made their rules, so we know there's nothing. But the eight ten thing is it is it I think from this standpoint, I think a lot of that is oversold either way, because look. 8-10, it's a box it's a it's a, it's a boxing match. Connor can either put hands on him or he can't. If he can't even touch Floyd with eight, with ten, I, I don't I, I think that's I think that is a point where you're just like hey it's it's over so look connor's gonna either be able to put hands on on floyd or he's not and if he's if he's got nothing there for him will he will he devastatingly knock him out with one shot hey it's not like connor connor's been a a one-shot artist a, a lot in his career either i mean he he he's an accumulative puncher and striker you know he's he's been able to put a lot of damage on guys not a, not all of them have been jose aldo you know one shot boom that's not, that's not how he rolls. You know, a lot of them are you know, he's very, very accurate with his strikes. He, he, he accumulates damage on guys. Uh, one of the things that is going to be uh, a hindrance to him is that he doesn't have his kicks. And we'll see. Listen, if he's going 12 rounds with Paulie Malignaggi, he's not stopping Paulie Malignaggi in sparring with those gloves. So it's interesting. But Paulie did uh, put out this today because he's he has been on a tweet storm with this entire thing. He says Connor whimpers like a girl when he's hit to the body. We'll see, man. It it'll be it'll be. I think that broadcast is going to be fascinating. Now, um, you know, Paulie's doing a lot of he's doing a, a a lot of shouting on social media because he feels he was wronged, and I get it. Um, but I wonder how that's going to skew him now. I mean, there's clearly a rift. There's clearly a rift now between the McGregor camp and Malinagi and how he feels he was he was portrayed. But should he have been surprised? Back to the uh, original texter's question. I don't think so. I think I think when he heard that quote from Connor that he's going to pay for his words, he probably should have known. He's not coming in just to be looked upon as... We're here, we're here to draw from Polly Malinaji's great boxing mind, which I think he does have. I think he's he's really gotten really good as an analyst. Um, but I think he probably should have known hey, this is personal, and we want to send a message. Did they send that message? I don't know. I don't think so. But a lot of the a lot of the headlines this week are that Paulie feels wrong this week. It's not that Paulie got knocked down by conor mcgregor which i think that initial picture was trying to show so we'll uh we'll, we'll keep following it it's an interesting th- it's an interesting development for sure with uh with a lot of drama and only 20 days to go till this fight now there is uh there's been, there were a lot of retirements this week a lot of uh, a lot of the a lot of fan favorites decided to call it a career this past week so we'll talk a little bit about those retirements in boxing and the great careers those guys had next Fighters Fury on AM790 the Ticket. Alright, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790 the Ticket. Tobin here with you. So we had three retirements having this weekend in boxing. Three uh three pretty h- high-profile names. Which is uh which is odd. One of them one of them I'm not surprised to hear, and that was Juan Manuel Marquez. And I think always best is going to be known for his rivalry with Manny Pacquiao had uh, just one of the most devastating one-shot knockouts you'll ever see. Flatline Pacquiao back in December of 2012 really was the the cherry on top of their, their fourth fight, crazy enough. I mean, those guys had uh, a lot of controversy in those decisions, you know, Pacquiao in the first fight where he, you know, put him on the canvas so many times early on and you know, they ended up, they ended up getting to a draw on that fight with, uh, with it, with Pacquiao, you know, I, I thought that one was questionable, both, both the, the first two Pacquiao fights I had, I had Marquez losing. I didn't, th- I didn't think, uh, and I, I didn't really think there was so much controversy. I thought they were awesome. Great fights. Every time those guys got in the ring, man, really, really great fights. I thought the third fight, I thought Juan had his best argument for a win, and I think I actually scored it. I ended up scoring it a draw, but I thought I could definitely see Juan getting the win in that fight, And, and Pacquiao ended up getting his hand raised that night. So they ended up doing it again, and, I mean, Juan Manuel Marquez looked hulked out of his mind. He looked like a different human being. I mean, if you want to go back, if you want to laugh, uh you know one of one of sometimes a fun thing to do is to look up weigh-in pictures on certain guys uh, just to compare bodies go look at Juan Manuel Marquez's weigh-in picture against Floyd Mayweather Jr. and then go look what his weigh-in picture was for the 4th Pacquiao fight and to see they're different humans and he he flatlined Pacquiao. He really got to have his moment in that fight. And I thought that fight was you know, for all the great fights they had, you could say that was maybe the the best one they had because he had Pacquiao down early on in that fight. Pacquiao came back, got him down, and then of course he had the devastating one punch shot of them all. And I thought that may that may have been the best out of all of them. I mean, those guys, their rivalry was absolutely fantastic. Um, I think I think in a, in a bit of a weird twist too, we also had Tim Bradley announced yesterday after the. Lomachenko broadcast that he is officially retiring from boxing as well he's now uh, seemingly ESPN's second color guy next to Teddy Atlas so those guys are gonna be working together the the former trainer partner duo and they had three fights of their own I thought Pacquiao won all three everybody knows about the first one where he beat Pacquiao by split decision in 2012 and you know, was one of the the biggest robberies anybody's really ever watched inside a boxing ring. It was horrible, but there was a part of me too that that felt bad for Tim Bradley because, you know, people were really really upset with that. I don't know if Jeff Horn's going through the same kind of thing. Probably not because Pacquiao's not as famous as he was. But you you got to remember that was, you know, as much as 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 Teddy Atlas talks about the robberies in boxing, the corruption in boxing, that one just, it just felt wrong. And there was a part of it where it was like there was some momentum building of Pacquiao versus Mayweather and that was really a prime time where those two guys could have fought. And there was talk that, you know, Manny was going to end up leaving Bob Arum because he was looked at as a big roadblock into why they weren't making that fight happen. And, you know, It was just it was a it was a rough night for boxing, but it was also it was a rough night for Tim Bradley. You know, what should be a real shining moment for him, a lot of people were upset by, and I don't know if he got a lot of that fanfare really ever got it back again, and that was tough for a guy who was at that point undefeated. Now, he did end up, I think, redeeming himself from this standpoint. He went on to fight Ruslan Provodnikov. It's one of the best fights you'll ever see. If you ever want to YouTube uh, watch something. And, and and really watch just an all-time war inside a ring. Uh, Ruslan Pravonikov versus Tim Bradley, incredible. There was a huge price. It, you will feel a little bit dirty watching a- afterwards watching the interviews because of the damage those guys went through. But the show they put on for the fans was absolutely incredible. So Tim Bradley has to gain your respect for that. It was just an all-time classic, and... You know, he ends 33-2-1 and one in his career. And hopefully we'll have a, uh, a fine career in, in broadcasting, whatever the hell he wants to do. Uh, finally, we learned this week, it was actually first of all, but uh, first this week we learned that Vladimir Klitschko is going to retire and he's not going to take the rematch against Anthony Joshua. And I'll say this about Vladimir Klitschko. I've never been the hugest fan of Vladimir Klitschko. Um, you know his reign as champion over boxing in the heavyweight division kind of sucked. He kind of held it hostage on the other side of europe and from this standpoint of you know i didn't I didn't love the fact that the heavyweight title one of the most precious things in sports was always going to be determined at 3 in the afternoon or on tape delay. It's like, you know, we're in 2017. It shouldn't be like that. His loss to Tyson Fury was confusing um, because you just never seen Vladimir Klitschko kind of that gun-shy from a fight. But I will say this with Vladimir Klitschko. His final fight against Anthony Joshua was an all-timer. It was a great fight. You know, you thought that this golden boy in Anthony Joshua was going to make easy work of him. It looked like he was. You know, Klitschko came back, put him on the canvas, looked like he was going to finish that thing off. Um, Confusing that he wasn't more aggressive on Anthony Joshua in that situation. But he then ends up getting stopped in the 11th round. But an all-time classic for those guys. I am bummed we're not going to see that fight again. I thought those guys made for a hell of a matchup. Um you know, but but Klitschko is getting a lot of respect this week. A lot of people have respect for Klitschko. Klitschko is also, you know, he came out of such a, a hard era of, you know, Lennox Lewis, Evander Holyfield, um, Mike Tyson, Riddick Bowe, all, like the golden era of heavyweights. He was the guy that kind of got past two. He had those early losses in his career um you know and 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 a lot of people started doubting him and he had to really build that resume back up but he wasn't as bankable like he wasn't at at, at that high peak everybody thought he was we um you know we never got to see him against one of those guys from the air you know we got to see his brother vitaly put on a really good show against lennox lewis uh was having a lot of success but you know cut stops and all that everybody knows the history of that uh also bummed that we never got to see him against shannon briggs i'm not gonna lie i thought those guys built up a lot of heat i thought we were going to get that fight i thought if if vladimir did end up beating tyson fury that we were gonna see shannon against vladimir klitschko and that would have been a lot of fun i thought those guys did a great job mostly on shannon's part building that fight up uh chasing i mean listen i i all respect to, to Vladimir Klitschko, you getting knocked off a paddleboard is still one of the funniest videos on the internet. It's hilarious. Sorry. Great week. I mean, listen, celebrating the career. But Shannon Briggs chasing you down on a boat and knocking you off a paddleboard is always hilarious to me. It is. And him stealing your pasta. That was also funny. Uh, but also funny when they were there for the, uh, the heavyweight reunion and, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and Klitschko's grabbing... He's grabbing uh, Shannon's beard. Look at your funny beard. You know, that was funny, too. I'm bummed we never got to see those guys get into a ring with one another. Um, But congratulations to uh, to all three of those guys, Klitschko, Marquez, Bradley. Uh, I think two of those guys are surefire Hall of Famers, uh, Klitschko and, and Marquez. Bradley, maybe. We'll see. Um, still a great career. I don't know if he's going to get in the hall. He probably will get in the hall of fame, but I think surefire Klitschko and Marquez, those guys will definitely get into the hall of fame. Um, speaking of Shannon, there was some news that came out with him this week. Um, he did uh, he did come out. He was just speaking to WABC. And he also talked to a, a British uh, outlet too, but it wasn't very well known. I wasn't quite sure if it is, but he did uh, he did come out. He did say he took full res- he was uh, taking full responsibility for his failed drug test. Uh, this past May, where he was going to fight Frezikendo at the Hard Rock for the WBA regular title, and Shannon popped for elevated testosterone, um, and he said that he did take a performance enhancing drug, something that he got for his trainer. He said he was very concerned about his breathing and he needed something to help him with his uh, with his breathing in fights, um, you know. And he said it was wrong. He said it was wrong, and and that he's uh, he's hopeful to be back in November December to take on Alexander Povetkin. Which, if if he does end up getting that fight, that'll end up being a a better fight than the Fresno Kendo fight anyway for Shannon. Um, So, especially if they do it in Moscow, I think it'll be a cool atmosphere for him to be in. But, yeah, we did get news on that. Like, he finally got a... I wasn't surprised that, you know, it had something to do with his breathing. You know, kind of just reading the tea leaves through what he was posting on social media that that was clearly the reason why... um, there was a testosterone pop that he wanted to have something with that. And, you know, he's talked about the stress he feels during, uh, during fights as it is. Uh, and he knew that this was a big deal, man. This was one that where it was going to be uh, a chance to get some gold around his waist, become a three time heavyweight champion of the world. First in three decades ever in boxing. Um, so the fact that he, that, that all kind of went away, it was a huge bummer, but, uh, you know john bones Jones just uh just got the the u f c strap around his waist this past week he just had a a, a pop test so it 's not something there's a couple things i don't think it 's something in fighting I think people have a huge stigma about I think probably in fighting if you were to look over mixed martial arts and boxing I think probably the person who 's had the hardest time shaking it more than anybody's probably been Chris cyborg you know people still bust on her for being uh, a user. And it doesn't feel like she can shake that as easily as everybody else can. But, um, you know, it's just not something I think that fight fans look at it and they're just like, Oh, it's not baseball, you know, and it probably should, you know, we've had a lot of discussions about PDs and fighting and it probably should hold more of a stigma in fighting. But then you think about what they're doing compared to what baseball players are doing, you know, baseball players juicing to hit a baseball, They're not hurting anybody. I mean, so you know, outside of the rare occasion where somebody might get a line drive back inside their throat. Um, but I don't know, like you just think about how they're they're crafting their bodies, they're putting themselves through two a days, through three a days, and you know, if they need something to get them through it, like especially if you're you're 45 or you had you know, a TRT exemption like was the, the the Wild West days you know, a few years back at the UFC, it's just like, just doesn't have the stigma that it does in other sports. So that was, uh, that was interesting to hear this week. Um, also, Amir Khan claims his model wife cheated on him with uh, Anthony Joshua. That was weird this past week on social media. It says, uh, so me and my wife Feral, uh Faryal have agreed to split. I'm currently in Dubai and I wish her all the best. Left my family and friends for all. I'm not hurt, but any other fighter is, I'm going, uh, I'm not hurt, but another fighter, I'm making it public. You're getting the divorce. Hashtag Gold Digger. Man, like Joshua, can have my leftovers. Now, Anthony Joshua, props to him. He, of course, uh, (laughs) he tweeted out in response to all these accusations that he was a homewrecker for the cons. He tweeted out Shaggy's video, it wasn't me which is a great move. That's a solid move by Anthony Joshua. So there's that. That happened this week. I'm, mean, You know, everything's out there on social media these days. It was only a matter of time before we were going to have some kind of boxing love triangle that was going to creep its way into the social media stratosphere, you know? Like that was, that was something that was certainly going to occur at some point, obviously. So what can you do? It's uh, it 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 happens, and it's good to see that that uh that Anthony denied that quickly. Um, I don't think those two will ever have a grudge match. It seems like the the measurables of that are off, and maybe they were for Con and other places too, for Mrs. Con. I don't know. Maybe a couple other news and notes uh too before we get out of here. Uh, George Saint Pierre, Michael Bisbing, looks like that is official. For UFC 217, that's going to be November 4th at Madison Square Garden. So we finally have an ending to that second. You know was weird? I wanted to mention this. There was this thing this week with Tyron Woodley and, and, uh, and Dana White where Tyron said he was going to come out with, quote, damaging information on Dana White if he doesn't get a public apology. And it came out like a day later and he said everything was fine. But I thought that was weird that... You know, he had this damaging information, you know, he's, he's complained about the way he's been treated as UFC champ before, but they were good after like a day, but I do wonder, you know, Dana made this thing where he was like, ah, this is dead. Bisping versus JSP. That was dead. I wonder if he went so hard at Tyron just to make it look better that he had to do the GSP Bisping fight. You know what I mean? Like he, those guys were going to fight each other regardless no matter what Dana was saying about that fight being dead. So he kind of backed over Tyron Woodley really hard to make it seem like he was so outraged by that fight and that performance against Damian Maya, that that was the real reason, even though GSP and Biswing are probably going to fight always in the first place. So maybe that's what he told Tyron Woodley and I don't know, give him a shut up bonus. I don't know. But I found that all odd how Tyra went from I'm going to release damaging information about my boss to me and my boss are cool, the boss says him and them are, are cool, and then we officially get news that GSP and Bisbing are officially going to fight at Madison Square Garden on November 4th. It's good those guys are going to fight. There is part of me, though, that does wonder if it really should be for a title. You know, everybody seems to think if George St. Pierre wins this fight, there's no shot he's defending it against any middleweight. Michael Bisping, his, his reign as middleweight champion has been so odd, and I don't feel like this doesn't feel like it has title stakes. It's kind of just like, hey, it's a throwback fight between two guys who everybody knows and, and a lot of people root for, but doesn't feel like it should be for the championship keeping going. We'll follow that story and more. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs.